right, folks, you know that sound. That means an emergency episode of the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Was not expecting to drop two emergency episodes this week. Um, the first one, of course, was in reaction to the 2020 schedule. This is uh, not as, I guess, a joyful news. Um, actually, it's bad news. Uh, anyway, you slice it. South Carolina freshman running back Marshawn Lloyd out for the season with a torn ACL, non-contact injury. Uh, he went to cut and his left knee ACL popped. So he's out for the season. And um, this is a big deal. Uh, normally when it's a true freshman, you know, you're not kind of uh, talking about things like this, but um, it, it is a huge deal in terms of, you know, what he brought to the table. I'm joined by Hale McGranahan of thebigspur.com. He's going to kind of go through this with us. And Hale, uh, your initial reaction to the news today uh, with Marshawn Lloyd being out. Uh, it's a little tough to process at this point, JC, because we're sitting there. As I say, we, we the, the media types who cover South Carolina, are sitting there uh, on our, our Zoom chats with some of the players for the first time. First time we've gotten to talk to players since the spring. So uh, we're, we're focused on that. And then all of a sudden the, the internet swirl, uh, rumor mill starts swirling and um, it just kind of goes from there. And, you know, we're trying to bang out stories and, and get ready to talk to Mike Bobo. And USC puts out the official word and then we're on – on zoom with Bobo and T Rob and doing all that. So I haven't even had a chance to sit down and think like, gosh, what does this actually mean for for this team in 2020? And I mean, you look at Lloyd and, and him being a guy who was able to come in in January. So he's, even though it's an abbreviated spring practice and not a normal off season, he was still able to go through some of those installs in the spring, get on the field uh, with, with the new offensive system and, and, get his feet wet a little bit and then come back and, and, and be ready to roll and pick up where, where they left off. Um, it, it, it's kind of, kind of hard to, to wrap your mind around, especially when it's a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, who, who came in so highly touted, highest rated recruit running back recruit for South Carolina since Marcus Lattimore um, from best I can tell. And then the couple of conversations I've had with him, a, a, a quiet, nice kid who, who's pretty humble and just loves to play football. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you're dedicated to a sport when you're driving, what, like two hours or whatever to, to go to school from, from Delaware into Maryland and, yeah. and doing that for three years. Like that guy's for, for lack of a better word, he's a pro. I mean that, not that that's a, a bad thing to label as a guy, but, but he's, he's one of those guys. And, I, and I've seen a few over the years in, in covering college football. He's one of those guys who who's kind of like, so about his business that you just know that it's going to happen for him at some point down the road. And unfortunately for him, he's got this setback to deal with and, and it's not going to be a good thing for South Carolina to have to come back from as they get ready for this, this 2020 season. Yeah. A challenging 2020 season at that with a all sec schedule. And it was crazy because I've, I've been, you know, whenever people talk about the season, you know, and then we talk, Obviously, that's our job is to talk about the Gamecocks and the season and, and, and what's coming up. And, you know, there's been questions as to whether or not they'd have a season and, and all that. And it's fine. But when you get into the nitty gritty with football, normally the conversation sort of centers around, you know, what Mike Bobo is going to do to change the offense and get it better. And then we've had a quarterback battle that was sort of unexpected. So people are talking about Helensky versus Colin Hill. Um, and, 
it was almost like an afterthought with Lloyd because I think people just kind of penciled him in and said, hey, let's see how it goes. And then the further we got down the road and, and after, you know, they had the, you know, because the, the kids have been back, players have been back on campus for a month now. And the more you heard, the more you were like, this guy could probably, he may not just be good, he may be great his freshman year. And people remember back to Marcus Lattimore. Um, you know, Marcus Lattimore walked into a situation where that was a maturing team with guys like Alshon Jeffrey at receiver, Stephen Garcia at quarterback, Tory Gurley, and then a lot of future pros on defense. And he made such a difference that year. Um, I'm convinced, you know, his addition – and then Sean Elliott coming in there and getting the most out of that offensive line in 2010, that was the difference between being a seven and six team and being a team that won the SEC East. Um, and Marcus Lattimore made that kind of impact. Rarely in football do you see one guy make that kind of impact. Um, but at running back, it, it's, it's less rare than at other, other positions. Running back, receiver, corner, you know, those guys can step in and make a big difference right away. Um, and, you know, certainly with the way the run game's gone at South Carolina and the way the running back room, too, has been consistently banged up during the Muschamp era. I mean, I think Rico Dowdle is a talented guy. I thought Tyson Williams was talented. A.J. Turner had his moments and was talented. Um, you know, none of those guys could stay healthy. Even Taby and Feaster last year got banged up. So by the time he played against Clemson, you know, he was kind of half speed or whatever. So that spot has taken a beating. A lot of spots across the roster have. But when you're talking about being fresh and, and being able to run the football, you know, Marshawn Lloyd was kind of the answer. Uh, and now for this to happen, you know, you, you got to go kind of down to the list. And, and I think the Gamecocks, whereas with Lloyd's presence, Hale, let's see if you agree with me or not, you think the running back room has taken a step forward as far as overall talent and ability to go out there and make yards. Well, now I think this throws it back into, you know, a bunch of question marks. And it sounds crazy to say because Lloyd was a true freshman, but as time went on, the more he was at South Carolina, and then the more you went back and watched him his senior year at DeMatha, and I actually did that this week like an idiot, got excited, you know. Um, you know, I, I thought, well, there, there's an answer right there. And this is a kid that's going to make some things happen. Now, you know, it just seems like, you know, you're back to question mark. Yeah. And when, when you look at the running back room just as a whole, it's a four-man scholarship group right now when, when you take out Marshawn Lloyd. I mean, you got Fenwick, Sean Fenwick, Kevin Harris, two returning guys, uh, Zaquandre White, Juco transfer, Rashad Amos, true freshman. That's a very inexperienced room. I mean, not that – Marshawn Lloyd added any experience to it. But when you're talking four scholarship guys who – and it being a 10-game season kind of helps, I guess, in what I'm about to say. But four scholarship guys, that's that's kind of light. And when when you're looking at, at, at the kind of schedule that, that you're going to have to play that South Carolina's got with, with that grind of 10 straight league games with, with a bye week in the middle of it, I mean, th there's going to come a point in time it's just – the odds are that that they're going to have to probably look at who the hell else can play running back. Like there, there's yeah. bound somebody else who who's going to miss some time for, for a bumper or a bruise here or, or heaven forbid something worse. Um, so I don't know that, that there's probably going to be some conversations over at that football building uh, today. If they haven't happened already is all right, who can we get over there and, and, and start cross training? And, and I guess having, 
having a guy like Adam Prentice coming in, even though he's a fullback and not a running back and not, not a guy you're going to want to hand the ball off to like 10 plus times a game, but who else besides him could they potentially count on JC? You think if, you know, worst comes to worst and they got to start looking at, at guys who could slide in to help over there. I mean, we've talked about the carry on Joyner playing receiver and I think have agreed that maybe running back is a spot that he could look at. And we're kind of calling outside the lines here, but yeah, the conversation I think these these coaches are going to have to have. If they have yeah, idea. they're they're going to have to talk about that a little bit, and you you just you know you, you kind of look up and down the roster. Decarion to me makes sense, but at the same time, you know it's and look run, running from scrimmage. The concern with the Decarion at receiver is playing receiver. You know it, that's a lot different. You're running routes. You're uh, you know it's very nuanced. You know, it's not like quarterback where he dropped back, made people miss, and went down the field. I think he's very elusive. He's got quick feet. He's big enough. Um, I know John Whittle mentioned this last year, move, move Joyner to running back. Um, is he going to want to take the physical beating? Um, you know, I think that if you think back through time, I'll take you back to 2005 when Steve Spurrier, uh, his first year, he figured out Savelle Newton could play running back about midway through the year. And then against Vandy and Jay Cutler, Savelle Newton played running back, quarterback, and receiver. They're on to something. And then Newton, of course, uh, ruptured his Achilles at the end of that game. And, uh, you know, that was kind of out the door. But, you know, you, you think about guys like that, I think absolutely he could. Now, Savelle was a guy, too, that naturally could go play other positions. Um, he and Melvin Ingram probably are the two guys – uh, over time that I've seen at Carolina that I'm like, well, they, they could easily go play wherever, you know. I mean, I don't know that you line up Melvin Ingram at free safety, but I know he wouldn't be as bad as most 290-pounders back there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and I sure as heck would give him the ball at running back after, you know, we saw that once against Georgia. But Savelle could kind of naturally adapt. And, and I think by the time that happened in 2005, he had already been playing receiver or going back and forth between receiver and quarterback under Holtz um, and receiver and quarterback a little bit under Spurrier. And so, I, you know, I, he's probably used to it. it. Now, is Joyner a guy that could make that move? I don't know. Um, and I certainly, you know, I mean, maybe he's the emergency guy unless they have another injury. Maybe you'd have him take some reps there just in case. Um, and then he, he plays at receiver or whatever. So, I'm um, – I think that would be a guy. I think Rashad Amos now is kind of a a guy that can come play. And I know Muschamp said uh, everybody's going to have to play this year because, well, number one, there's no downside because there's going to everybody's going to get a red shirt. It seems regardless. And, and number two, with COVID nineteen and people possibly being out, you got to cross train more than you used to, and you know you got to go play. If three of your guys have to sit because of COVID, you know you got to go play them. But um, even in a normal year, I believe that, uh, you know, right now, if we were heading in and the Coastal game was coming up here in a couple of weeks, I still believe that, you know, Amos now is on the clock and a guy that uh, could see some action as a true freshman. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I kind of got a little too far ahead of myself with this conversation and looking like that. But it's just kind of kind of wild. I mean – you you only have so many guys to work with when you when you have eighty five scholarships and you got to figure out the best way to distribute those by position and you know you got two guys coming back at running back and, and you sign three 
Um, and one of those guys is a JUCO guy who, who was a big time player coming out of high school and as uh, a Guandre White. Um, I, I think for him, it, it, it's even, you know, you bring a JUCO guy in and the expectation is like, you better be ready. And, and I think this just kind of adds even more, I guess, pressure, if you want to call it to him to, to get in gear and be ready to roll by what September 26 or whatever that date is uh, against Tennessee. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, and, and you still got another, what, 38 days worth of practice to navigate through before you even get there. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of uneasy folks over there at that, uh, that building and probably going to be some, some late nights these, these next few nights as this staff tries to figure out what the heck's going on. And, and, and I don't want to try to make this, you know, sunshine and rainbows because there's not any good way to spin it. But I mean, heck, at least it's two days into practice and not, you know, two weeks before Tennessee comes. To yeah. The week of the game, that would suck. <laughs> uh, Zaquandre White kind of watched his film, dug something up on him on YouTube the other day. Like him. I think, I think he's a guy that needs blocking. Um, most backs need blocking though. I think, He's a guy that if you give him a hole, he's good. I, I like his physicality running between the tackles. He does get his pad level low. And then when he, ends, when he breaks free, though, it ends up popping. He ends up popping up a little bit. The, the guys that are kind of like that, um, it's the kid that played at Vanderbilt, Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Is, that the, is that his name? Yeah. Tra- transferred from Illinois, went to Vandy. He's that style of runner. And, folks, I'm saying style. Um I'm not saying he's going to be that productive. <laughs> That's style, though. He's that kind of runner. Um, and then, you know, I, I was I was encouraged to hear Mike Bobo say some good things about Deshaun Fenwick today, about him changing his body. Uh, I know in the spring they were very pleased with Fenwick and his progress. And, you know, keep in mind Deshaun Fenwick was a guy, you know, three-star guy, but the Gamecocks did beat Georgia and Texas on him. You know, Georgia and Texas both wanted him out of high school. Now, I don't know if they were going to maybe play him because he was a good receiver at some sort of H-back role or, or what, um, you know, I don't know that he could have walked in and been the starting tailback at Georgia as a freshman. But, you know, he did have some big-time offers and, and was a guy that, you know, they had to win a recruiting battle for. And, you know, he's kind of the exception hail rather than the rule because most running backs, you know, you know, they're either ready to roll or they're not. And if they redshirt, it doesn't need, that just means there's guys in front of them. Uh, but he had some things in his game they actually needed to technically work on. And if he's worked on it, you know, you, you, he is a guy that, you know, no matter who the competition has been, um, when he's gotten multiple carries in a game, he's gone over the century mark twice. Yeah. Well, Bobo told us today uh, that, that he was their, you know, offensive player of the day on uh, Wednesday at practice. I mean, obviously you're – only in helmets and shorts and t-shirts out there and not running in pads and trying to make guys miss and run through contact and all that. But Hey, something to build on as they get, get closer to to put more pads on, which I guess they're going to put some, some shoulder pads on for Friday and uh, work closer to the uh, first full pad of practice on Monday. But I mean, talk and talking to Fenwick today, I mean, he's, he's always been a really good interview and, and a guy that sounds like he's, he's got a, a good head on his shoulders uh, and as long as he's motivated and uh, I, I think he's probably one of those guys that if you can just get him in the right direction, moving in the right direction, kind of from a 
preparation standpoint and buying in and all that stuff that, that you could probably feel pretty good about it. Um, so, and, and that might've been probably maybe part of his issues his first couple of years is there were just so many guys ahead of him be Rico and Feaster coming in and AJ Turner, Mon Denson, whoever else, Tyson, um, that he just saw that and was like, well, I'm not playing anytime soon. Like, what the hell am I doing here? I'm just going to kind of coast and whatever. I, I think that sort of whatever kind of mentality when, when that sets in for, for a guy it can be kind of hard to get him out of it. And, and I think that, like you said, JC, when he's gotten his opportunities, I mean, he's clearly cut out for it. He, he's a gamer. Um, but you know, you gotta, you got to do more than just show up on a couple Saturdays out of the year. You, you yeah. Know, for coaches to, to be willing to, to give you a, an extended opportunity. Bigger back um, had to learn how to run better between the tackles from what I was told when he got here. Cause like I said, in high school, they split him out wide a lot. Wasn't really, you know, comfortable with the traditional two back and, and look, yeah. Like you, when you got Rico Dowdle and Tyson Williams and Rico Dowdle and Tavian Feaster ahead of you. And then, they still, you know, Mon Denson just basically outperformed him in practice and in games. Uh, and then, you know, A.J. Turner was kind of, you know, the, the missing man last year. I think there'd be, there, there should be an unsolved mysteries about what happened to A.J. Turner last season. <laughs> um, but, you know, you have those many, that many guys, you, you got to go out and carve your name out. And when he's had his chance, he's, he's played well. And, and from what I was told last year, before the Vandy game where he rushed for over 100, he had stepped it up big time in practice. The Chattanooga game the year before was just, oh, this is a blowout. Let's give this – let's play the reserves. And he went out there and made the best of it. But there was something to be said about his performance against Vandy that was related to his performance in practice and and how he's kind of come around. So, you know, when you think about it like that, I mean, you know, is Deshaun Fenwick going to be the starting running back? I don't know. Um, if you'd asked me when he signed, would he be the starting running back one day? I'd have probably said yes. Um, if you asked me last year, I'd have probably said no. <laughs> um, you know, is, is a Quandre White going to be that guy? You know, I, I think confident guys like White um, that are kind of getting a second chance at things really approach things in a good way. Um, he is coming from JUCO. I, and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there. I don't – you know, Kevin Harris – Everybody's like, well, he, he only looked good against Charleston Southern. Everybody looked good against Charleston Southern. Me and Hale could probably have done some things. Right? Uh, I, I'll, I'll pump the brakes for you right there. All right, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm too fat and out of shape. For me, I'm too fat and out of shape. I'm saying, look, well, me too. But I, I could have thrown a, I could have thrown you a deep post, and you'd have probably run under a couple of them. Um, but you know, of course, you know, you can say the same thing if you're South Carolina's defense against Tennessee last year, I think <laughs> there was a lot of throwing it up and running it under, but, um, I, you know, I know that's what Harris did, but when you, when you look at him and look, he's not been healthy either. That, that's, that was the whole thing coming out of spring. If Harris is healthy, he could be probably be the number two guy behind Lloyd. And he's a unique player too. Uh, he's not like the other backs, kind of a bowling ball style, you know, the Jerome Bettis style of running. Um, and he's faster than he looks and, and tough as nails. So, you know, there's another option, you know. So I, 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 it's it's bad because you'd probably like to be sitting here having this conversation about, okay, who's going to back up Lloyd instead of, well, where's the running game going to come from? And, and And, you know, so that's bad, but, you know, there are some options. And, Hell, if you disagree with me, let me know. I, 
I think regardless of who's playing running back, South Carolina's offensive line and Mike Bobo, hopefully, uh, and I say hopefully because we've said this every offseason since the first year under Roper, Bobo has a more creative, diverse running game with more power runs and things like that. you got a big athletic offensive line coming back. And you mentioned Adam Prentice as a fullback um, and, you know, multiple tight end sets and stuff like that. That that does help your power run game when you have guys like that that can open up holes. Yeah. I I don't know. I kind of looked at, at the running back group like this, JC. Marshawn Lloyd was your every down – Whatever the situation, you can count on him if if he's, um, you know, ready to roll. Mm-hmm. Whatever, short yardage, goal line, third down, passing game, whatever. Whereas, you know, if that was the case and you have Kevin Harris who can come in and be that short yardage, goal line type of guy. Uh, Fenwick, who, who you mentioned earlier as, as a good pass catcher, I, he was a tremendous pass catcher coming out of high school. And you look back at some of these Colorado State teams that Bobo's had where he's got guys with, you know, around running backs with around 30 catches at the end of the season. I thought he would be kind of maybe a third down type of back when, when you knew you were going to probably have to throw it. Um, so you, you sort of had that clear – well, not clear because we didn't know for sure. But to me, that the, those roles that, that were probably going to be defined that way, at least in my mind, whereas now they're going to have to – really be creative and, and really rely on a committee, I think, committee-type approach with, with these four guys in, in some way, shape, or form. Unless yeah. it just really emerges as like, hey, I can be your every-down guy. Let me let me carry the load. Yeah, it just depends on who steps up. I mean, like, look, if, if White can step up and be the guy, you know, then um, great. I mean, that's that's super. Uh, and then you use Harris and Fenwick in their roles. If so, for some reason, Deshaun Fenwick, the light has really, really come on. And and like you said, he was player of the day in practice, but the pads have not come on. And, and that's important for him. He had trouble running between the tackles early. So we got to see if he could do that at a higher level than he has. And you can't do that without the pads running on. I mean, he's, like I said, me or you could go out there without pads. And if they're opening a hole, I'll run through it. Now, if we have pads on, you open a hole, I'm going to run through it and then like probably stop and poop my pants or something because I'm going to get the crap knocked out of me. And that's that's a big difference. You know, that's a big difference. Clint Haggard's come running off the sideline with the, with the stretcher board. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. You better get a big one for me. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you got to see what's at pads. And that's what's unfortunate, too, uh, is the way this injury went down. You know, it, it – I, I think that it's almost good for Will Muschamp that this did not happen in a contact situation because then the criticism is, well, what the hell are you doing putting him in a contact situation even though he's a running back and it makes no sense to not have him get hit. Um, but it's still, you know, it, it's another injury, you know, and, and that's something that's been far too familiar during Will Muschamp's entire coaching career um, at Florida and at South Carolina. Um and I don't know, you know, we'll reevaluate the number of injuries at the end of the season and then talk about that. But I personally felt really bad for Will Muschamp that this happened today just because it's just like same old, same old. You know, it's like the football gods refuse to smile on any of his teams. Yeah, a lot of bad luck. Unfortunately, that's – injuries are a part of this game. And, and I think Mike Bobo summed it up pretty well. 
I'm paraphrasing him here, but earlier this afternoon, he said, unfortunately, he's not going to be the last guy who gets hurt this season. And, you know, hopefully, like he said, there there aren't too many more there this series, but you know, they're going to happen and probably be another significant one or two between now and the Tennessee game. That's just how it is. That's football. That is man. That's football and just about any other sport. All right. Hale, appreciate you joining us today. This wraps up this uh, emergency podcast, The Injury of Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, Thank you guys for subscribing. Go to the iTunes store, rate it five stars, write a review. If you have a question for the mailbag, it's insidethegamecocks at gmail.com or